Hello and welcome to the Mystical Narrations Podcast. This is the podcast where I read and discuss my works of creative writing. In this episode, I read and discuss an older short story of mine called The Golden Pocket Watch, about a spaceship racer who battles with grief and must make up for his action that got his brother killed. I hope you enjoy The Golden Pocket Watch. See you at the finish line, he remembered saying. He always remembered saying it. The phrase refused to let him be. Just don't make me wait long once I'm there, he remembered him saying. He always remembered him saying it. The phrase refused to let him be. Today marked the third year since Eric heard those words. At the time, he wanted nothing more than to leave his brother in a trail of dust and exhaust, but had he known that those words would be the last thing he ever said to him, Eric would have chosen much more fitting ones. Perhaps he would have thanked him for the time they had together, for the fun they shared as children, and for the rivalry between them that only united them further. Perhaps he would have pleaded for him to stay and never leave him. Perhaps he would have simply cried. But he didn't, and now he had to live with remembrance of their parting for the rest of his life. Tick. 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 The pocket watch said from between Eric's clasped hands. The sound was soft, echoing through the silent room where he sat, armored elbows on armored knees. The sound was integrated into his mind. In all his memories, he could hear the ancient thing's rhythm, like an endless metronome guiding its musician through song. Without it, Eric would be lost, lost within the complex tempo of life. For a long time he sat, listening to the watch as memories of his childhood poured into his mind. He remembered, very faintly, the first time he ever tried to run. For months, Alex had been sprinting around the house. The relentless energy of his three-year-old body was no match for Mother, who always had to retrieve something from the kid's mischievous hands. And Eric, unable to do anything more than watch from his high chair, longed to join the chase. From stories his parents told him, Eric knew that his first steps were an attempt to try and run to Alex, who had just taken his Moonbeam spaceship replica. Of course, it didn't work out too well for him, and it was unfair that his older brother had so much more agility than he did. And so from the earliest time he could remember, Eric's life goal was to outrun his brother. Throughout their childhood, the two brothers constantly raced. Their earth home's countryside lawn featured expansive paths and loops that made racing a perfect pastime, and all their free time was devoted to improving their speed. On Alex's mark, the two would sprint as fast as they could around their favorite track, and Alex would time them using the golden pocket watch he always had on him. The watch, along with an extensive lecture on its history, had been given to Alex for his eighth birthday. Their father, when he was around the same age, had received it from his father, who likewise received it from his. No one knew exactly how far back the watch dated, but they did know that such an item was incredibly rare and valuable now. Mechanical clocks had gone out of style centuries ago, and even being able to read one was somewhat an art form. 
to even think about selling the watch was perhaps the most blasphemous thing anyone in the family could do. For centuries, its ticking accompanied their ancestors. Many lies were counted second by second by the watch, and as Eric sat listening to it, he thought how wrong it was that Alex had only heard a fraction of the ticks he should have. Tick. 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 The watch continued saying. It was Eric's now, and he wondered how long the song it directed would last. Fifteen minutes, Eric, Stan's voice called suddenly from Eric's hellebrace as the metal band around his wrist lit up with blue energy. She's prepped and ready for launch. Eric unlocked his hands and clicked open the watch's round face. The time read 11.45. Just fifteen more minutes, Alex, Eric thought, slipping the watch into the breast pocket of his black suit as he stood. He could just barely feel the percussion of the watch on his chest as he stepped over to the locker, its door still wide open. Reaching in, he pulled out his helmet and looked at the silver visor that stretched across the sleek front. His bent and distorted reflection stared back, its blank expression haunting him. Removing his gaze from the visor, Eric shut the locker and turned around. His boots clicked in a lonely cadence as he exited the room. The hall was illuminated only by the lights from the room behind him, and so long shadows stretched across the tiled floor. His own shadow's proportions were of inhuman height and slimness, and the sway of his arm that didn't hold his helmet to his side looked grossly exaggerated. As Eric passed by the slim windows that lined the walls, he looked out upon the night sky. Little dots of light flew this way and that, large orbital transports just specks to those on Earth and the stars that dotted the black void above shone through wispy clouds. The radiance of the full moon glowed like the headlight of Alex's bike did the first night its humming engine pulled through the summer fog into the driveway. As soon as Alex was old enough and had saved enough to afford one, despite his parents' approval, he bought a hover bike. Eric knew he had always wanted one. His older brother was always telling him how much he longed for the freedom and speed a bike could give him. He was obsessed with speed and his life revolved around pushing his limits even further. Eric, always looking up to Alex, followed in those dreams, and it wasn't too long after Alex got his first bike that Eric bought his own. He missed racing his older brother too much to go on without one, and so on his 18th birthday, after finally earning enough money himself, he made the decision. The next few years followed the same format as their childhood. Almost every night one of the brothers would challenge the other to a race, and, to keep a log of their records, would time themselves on the golden pocket watch. The two brothers soon realized that their skill on the bikes was nothing to scoff at, and a few years later, Alex decided to start racing competitively. Naturally, Eric followed suit, and before long the two were racing professionally. Even before they were legally allowed to drink, the brothers had beaten several world records, and their names became well known throughout the solar system. After all their competing, however, they found their only true competition was each other. Ten minutes, Alex, Eric thought, checking his watch again. He didn't realize he had stopped to stare at the moon. Putting the pocket watch away again, he continued down the hallway. At the end of the passage was an elevator, and stepping inside, Eric began rising. A moment later, the doors slid open. Instantly, the smell of fuel and exhaust filled Eric's nostrils, and closing his eyes, he breathed in. Smell wasn't necessarily good, but it was central to Eric's life, and it brought back so many nostalgic memories. It was similar to the smell the brothers' bikes emitted, and Eric could just imagine walking into the dark house after curfew, filling the silent home with the fumes, and having to hush Alex before he woke their parents. He would swing the watch around his fingers from its golden chain and say, 
New record today, Eric. Good job. Won't last long, though. See you tomorrow. And then waltz off to his room. The wind blew Eric's hair into his face and he wiped it away as he stepped out of the elevator. The silence of the halls below was forgotten as the roaring engines shook his eardrums. Helmeted men with glowing sticks in their hands, dancing about in a synchronized routine, illuminated the launch pad with multicolored auras, and the blinding light shooting from the Skydrifter's fuselage cut the black darkness into two dazzling white beams. Its engines glowed a rich blue, and massive clouds of dust and steam billowed out from under it. It was beautiful, but there should have been another. As he stepped out onto the launch pad, watching the men disconnect large tubes from the underside of the drifter and wheel it out onto the main runway, Eric saw Stan approach him from somewhere beyond the clouds of steam. The man held his glowing holo terminal in one hand and his dark navy hat with the other, trying to keep it from flying off his head. You ready? he said, shouting over the roar of the drifter. Eric checked the time on his pocket watch again. Its golden hands pointed to 11.53. Although not audible, he could still feel the ticking of the watch through his black glove. Eric put it back into his pocket and gave Stan a thumbs up. After a slight jog, he caught up with the man and walked with him towards the ship. It's a beautiful night, Eric. Perfect for flying, Stan shouted, and then with a wink. Let's just hope tomorrow is as nice. I'll let you know in just a bit, Eric said, allowing a smile to spread across his face. The drifter's ready to go. I made sure the boys did you proud. We had to tweak the tail just a bit after the last upgrade, so your acceleration should be much smoother now. Just remember that we removed the zero-gravity thrusters, so don't try and take her out of the atmosphere for whatever reason. I know she'll fly well. She always has. Thanks, Stan, Eric said as he climbed the ladder into the cockpit of the drifter. The canopy began lowering, and he put his helmet over his head. And you're sure you want to do this? Stan said, the window of his conversation quickly coming to a close as the canopy continued lowering. Eric looked through his visor at the man below him. I have to, Stan. Alex has to. The canopy sealed and the controls lit up around him. Stan gave him a thumbs up and ran away from the ship. Gently touching the controls, Eric carefully drove the purring ship along the reflective lane markers of the launch pad. He reached into his pocket and pulled out the watch. Opening the cover and hanging it from the main rear-view mirror, he could just barely make out the watch's ticking. As the drifter lined up with its runway, lights along the side of the lane lit up and shot from one end to the other. The steam from under the ship swirled outwards in symmetrical billows, catching the light from the runway and spreading a glowing fog across the launch pad. Eric sat back and let in a deep breath. His heart was already beginning to race, and he had to calm his nerves. Relaxing his muscles, he let the breath out and closed his eyes. He hadn't been this nervous for a launch since the very first time in the cockpit. After a while, biking had become boring for the two brothers. Alex and his insatiable ambition desired something more than the mere recreation the vehicles had become for them. By this point, with the money they had raised from racing and competing, both brothers had moved out of the house and into each of their own. But this life simply couldn't satisfy their lust for adrenaline. Alex was the first to stop searching the world around him for that satisfaction, and instead look towards the sky. He had his pilot's license within a year, and Eric thought he had finally been beaten by his older brother in the game of outperforming the other. That was, until Eric himself decided to join his brother in learning to fly. Before long, the two were racing each other across the skies, but the joy of those new limits, however, was gradually overtaken by the genuine desire to beat the other. Eric found himself caring more about winning than he did about his brother, 
and through a transition he didn't even realize was happening, he began to antagonize him. Their races turned from fun to feud, and Eric became filled with greed and ambition. His brother had always beaten him, and now it was time for that to change. The two worked their way up to the top, breaking records and winning races, until there were no challenges left that could match their skill. Eric, needing some new challenge to beat his brother in, invented what became known as the time jump. His idea was that the pilot would race from midnight to midday as fast as he could, and the first one to start at 12 a.m. and reach 12 p.m. would win. The pilot would figuratively be traveling ahead in time by racing exactly halfway around the planet. It was a foolish idea, only one that pilots such as himself and Alex would attempt. The ship would have to be going so fast that any sustained G-forces would certainly kill whoever was inside. The race tested the pilot's skill in handling his ship, managing the Gs and reaching record-breaking speeds. It was perfect for the brothers, who desperately needed to prove one another who was the best. And so exactly three years ago, they tried it. See you at the finish line, Eric had said. Just don't make me wait long once I'm there, Alex had said. It was a huge event. People from all across the world, even some from the moon, came to see the famous brothers race. But no one, especially Eric, was prepared for the outcome. The race promptly ended when Alex's engines failed and he crashed into the ground at 5,000 miles an hour. Eric was ahead at the time and when he saw the ship go down, his heart stopped. Eric had to shield his eyes from the explosion, but to safely stop without crushing himself with the deceleration, he needed to keep flying. To slow down in that moment and land would instantly kill him, and so he continued forward screaming the entire way until he could finally land 400 miles away. Afterwards, the only remnant of Alex recovered was the ticking golden pocket watch. Eric had no idea how it survived, by all accounts it should have been vaporized with the rest of the ship, but instead it sat in the pile of smoking dust, the sun glinting off its undamaged surface. Alex had made it nine hours into the future in just 60 minutes, but died before the sun reached its highest peak. Eric never made it to the end, and he never touched his ship again. Until now. Tick. 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 The pocket watch said from where it hung inside the cockpit. Eric now watched it secondhand as it slowly made its way around the clock. In thirty seconds, Eric would attempt the time jump again. It took him three years to realize this had to be done, but here he was, ready to reconcile himself with his brother. The watch was the only remnant of Alex left and Eric wanted to make sure his brother finished the race. He needed Alex to cross the finish line he died trying to reach, and he needed him to know that he was sorry. Tick. 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 Ten seconds. Upon Eric's command, the drifter's engines fired up and the launch pad shook with its ferocity. Eric could feel the power of his ship all around him. The cockpit rattled with a violent impatience, and Eric's heartbeat became audible in his overpowered ears. Three. Eric gripped the controls in front of him, praying that after three years he could fly this thing. Two. He heard the ticking of the pocket watch and thought of Alex, who, three years ago at this exact time, had no idea that the seconds in his life were rapidly approaching zero when he too heard its percussion. One. Eric punched the controls forward and was instantly pressed into the back of his seat as the drifter rocketed off the runway and into the night sky. His heart was beating so fast that he could feel it like a drum inside of him. The ship gained more and more speed, soaring through the wispy clouds that hung in the quiet atmosphere, 
and Eric watched the ship's heat shields glow as they blocked the heat from the air resistance. Eric watched the control panels, whose displays showed his speed, an exponentially growing number. The world around him became a blur as the G's began blacking out his vision. Eric was only barely able to hold on to his consciousness, but he continued pressing the controls forward. Soon, 1,000 became 2,000, and 2,000 became 3,000. The boulder that sat crushing Eric's chest grew and grew, but he continued on. When his speed reached 7,000 miles an hour, he felt a few of his ribs crack. He couldn't hear his own scream of pain. His vision faded, he lost control over his breathing, and his hands began to loosen around the controls. Everything went completely black, and he slumped forward in his chair. As he closed his eyes on the verge of passing out, a fleeting glimpse passed through his mind. He saw Alex's ship, a mere dot in the window of reflected sky he could see behind him. He saw a bright flash pulse from one of his engines, and he saw the ship fall towards the ground. He watched in horror the scene that played out in his mind every night. He watched as his brother collided with the ground. The flash of the explosion woke Eric up. For a moment, he had no idea where he was, but seeing the pocket watch hanging from the rearview mirror, he regained his senses and grabbed the controls. In his moment of unconsciousness, he had accelerated past his goal into speeds he would have thought to be utterly impossible for humans to withstand. Seeing this, Eric pulled back on the controls at once. The weight on his chest immediately lifted and he gasped for air. He didn't even notice his hearing had gone away until the sound of the ticking pocket watch began growing. Eric looked up and saw the sun barely peeking over the horizon. Its orange aura oozed into the dark sky ahead like a drop of blood in clear water, and the clouds, highlighted in its magnificence, glowed bright red and pink. All over the world ahead of him, the sun was setting, but for him, it was rising. The drifter, now gently soaring through the sky, hummed in awe at the sunrise as its pilot felt tears slip down his cheeks. Eric remembered seeing this sunrise three years ago, and he remembered watching it set as he slowed his ship after the crash. But here he was now, watching it rise with no intention to stop. He was free. Eric looked around him at the world below, a distant blur in his unfathomable speed. All over the earth, people were hearing the sonic boom of his ship, already over the horizon by the time it was heard. His tears were not of sadness or regret this time. They were of joy. After all those years of trying to best his brother, he now sat, sharing the sunrise with him. He was not racing for himself. He was racing for him. Eric didn't care if he was about to set the most impressive record in the world. He only cared that he could give the moment to his brother. Although not physically... Eric knew Alex was with him to share this moment. The Golden Pocket Watch ticked in agreement. So that was the Golden Pocket Watch. I hope you enjoyed. So this story, this was the first thing I wrote in college. Uh, I wrote it last last semester. Um, and yeah, it was it was kind of coming off of a of a long period of not writing anything pretty much from pretty much from the first semester of uh, my senior year of high school to first semester of college I didn't really write anything uh, so it felt good to finally you know sit down and uh, finally write something and like pretty much everything I've ever written it started just as a very abstract idea more of like a feeling it's hard to describe and I guess that's I guess that must be how 
like all things are written because I mean, how do you write something without having an idea? An idea isn't enough to have a story about. It's just an idea, but but you can't write anything until you have that idea. So you write it down and then it turns into turns into a story. So that's that's what happened with this. Um I was listening to <laughs> actually the same same thing as the uh as uh stranded. I was listening to sixty five days of static music. And I was like, wow, this this sound this sounds like a spaceship just flying super fast. So that's that's not a story idea. But it's just a it's just a very basic idea and that's that was the only thing I knew when I sat down and wrote this. And so it's just kind of interesting how the how the creative process goes. I'm sure it's different for everyone, but for me it's just kind of like all right, I know that at one point in this story I want to get to a spaceship flying super fast. That's the only thing I don't I know. I don't know any characters, I don't know the world. I'm just going to start writing. And I, I there's not really much thought into it for me at least. It's kind of just like I sit down and start writing. Um and so like the first the first thing I wrote were the first lines, see with the finish line. Um and so I didn't know I didn't know sitting down to write it that it was gonna be about that it was gonna be like a redemption story, uh writing about two brothers or a brother uh avenging avenging no nah, it's not quite the right word. Making up for uh accidentally killing his bro. Uh my bad. Um But yeah, that that's just kinda how it started. And then and then I just kept writing. Um The Honestly, it didn't change that much from the original draft to the final. And I didn't I actually didn't spend too much time on it, so so like I think I'm I think I'm done with it. I don't really have any desire to keep working on it, but I think I could if I wanted to. So this was part of my creative writing class and it was workshopped and so I took advice from people um and I I did improve it, but uh like opposed to stranded which was originally like 20 pages or something and I had to cut it down to like 5 um this one was pretty much just like got the story and wrote it and then kind of went back and revised a few things one thing that I I thought about was taking away the sci-fi aspect of it and just making it a story in present time because the format of the story doesn't, like, the sci-fi doesn't really matter. Um, it's about brother who, two brothers who get into racing, and because of their, like, lust for racing, one of them crashes and dies, and the other one feels guilty that it's his fault, and so he wants to finish the race. So that doesn't have to be spaceships, obviously. That could be, like, motorcycles. Um, before I revised it, the hover bikes were just motorcycles, um, but then I changed it because it was like, all right, well, this doesn't feel like sci-fi. This is just motorcycles. Um, but I like sci-fi, and I think spaceships are cool. So that's what I did. But I don't know. I, I'm I'm pretty happy with this piece. I I like it. I think I like the I like the um, golden pocket watch. I I don't really know. <laughs> I don't really have a meaning for it, what it means. Uh, I guess it just means, like, the 
I don't know. It just means how life exists. And I don't know. <laughs> that's that's for you to decide. It's not my job. That, that's it's you. I write just some random crap and and then you think that it means something and um then make it up. But yeah, I don't really have a I don't really have a solid answer for what the golden pocket watch means or is uh cuz it's definitely it almost has like a magical sort of presence about it uh in that like how does it still exist especially after the crash with Alex like it totally should have been vaporized um and so it definitely I definitely wanted it to have meaning I didn't just write it without any any desire to have meaning um but I, I did want it to have meaning. It's just that I don't really know fully what that meaning is. If I were to try and describe it from my point of view as a writer, I guess I'd just say pretty much that it's like it's counting. It's counting life. It's it's a reminder of mortality. And and in, in context of the story, it's it represents Alex and. In, in a way, Alex is still alive within the watch. Um, and I, I actually went through a couple different uh, endings or different ideas. Some of them being that the watch stops working after the race. And so that's supposed to signify, like, Alex finally being put to rest. Um, the race has been finished. He's finished the race. Now he can rest now. Um, but it's also kind of a little ambiguous, like, ooh. That's interesting. Um, another idea was that the pocket watch never worked or stopped working after the crash and then started working after Eric finishes the race. Um, but I, I don't know. I just, I, I felt like, I felt like it was too much of a change to get rid of the pocket watch ticking throughout the story because it it's a theme that like is there Throughout the whole story, Eric hears the ticking of the pocket watch, uh, and I, I just I liked the I liked how it unified everything, kind of um, just this, this common theme that ran through everything, and so I didn't really want to change it that much. Uh, but I, I, you know, they were interesting ideas. I wonder, I wonder like what people would think if that's how it was. But I think. I think I'm I think I'm satisfied with how I just kind of left it and I hope you enjoyed it too yeah I, ho I hope you enjoyed it and I guess I'll I guess I'll see you in the hopefully hopefully I'll see you in the next episode see ya